0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along with us, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Let's Read the Bible Together reading plan. We also have the plan available on our website, grub.church. So jump on
1: our website, follow along, read with us, and hear, I guess, hear us discuss Uh, the conversation and the the scripture that we'll be reading. Uh, And as you're doing that, if there are questions that arise in your brain, your heart, or even your spirit, we would love to take time as much as we can week over week to answer those questions. Uh, So there's two ways you can send us any questions you've got. It doesn't even necessarily have to go along with the reading plan. Maybe a different question is sparked. But you can send us those questions in two ways. One, an email. Uh, The email address is info at grove.church. Uh, Make sure to put in the subject line, a let's read the Bible podcast question or question for Evan and Aaron. That way the the administrator can send it to Evan and myself, or the second way you can send us uh, those questions is a direct message on Facebook. We are the Grove Church in marysville washington so you can send us the dm there uh, i think it now is called the meta but i think you can meta. send us the same thing direct message would love for you to send
0: us those questions if i'm not mistaken i think facebook is still called facebook it's just owned by meta now and facebook is one of the, that's what it is. is one of the i'm showing my first i don't know dude i hate that stuff and i mean like <laughs> and it's part of my job to be like really up to date on it but every time someone says metaverse i want to like Kick a puppy, like it just really, maybe not kick a puppy. That's, but you that's know. brutal. That's fair. Not kick fair a, the kind. You I want to apologize to every puppy kick in the universe. A full grown dog, not a puppy, <laughs> but it just annoys me. Okay, so listen, much. everybody.
1: I just wanted to go out there and say Evan is not as violent as he appears. Um, he just has very strong opinions about stupid things sometimes that um, creates weird statements. So the metaverse that's one the statements.
0: is a dumb word and I don't like it. I will say this I've known Evan
1: for the better part of 10 years now. And he has slowly grown in his terminology and the things that he says he likes to kick. So well done, Evan. Thank you. Thank you. But no more kicking dogs.
0: All right. Well, we're (laughs) going to condone violence on this podcast. This week, we are talking about Numbers, chapters nine through 22. So we're going to cover quite a lot of the book. So get ready. It's actually some really interesting stuff happening this week, though. This is,
1: listen, this is when the book of Numbers actually starts carrying a little narrative. You start getting some more stories. Um, and you can kind of see how God develops and, and continues to lead his people. Uh, not the, like the census stuff that it's I not, covered last week. It's
0: not the part of numbers that deals with numbers. It's the Precisely. part that deals with the other stuff. All yes. right. So in chapter nine, we get the second ever Passover. And this is the very first one that's actually reflective. Because remember, the first Passover... That's the one where they're actually in Egypt and the angel of death passes over. So this Passover meal is the very first one where they're actually thinking back and reflecting and thanking God for uh, the miracle of the Passover. So pretty cool moment there. And I also think it's it's interesting because as you're reading, so this is all in chapter 9. There's a group of people who can't participate because they're ceremonially ceremonially unclean. They had touched, I believe it was a dead animal, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe they had buried a dead person. Something like that had happened. Um, and so God actually makes provisions for them to celebrate at a later date. So there's a whole thing where they're going to uh, not celebrate the Passover with the rest of the nation, but they will still be able to later. So kind of a cool a cool little bit of mercy there that God shows. Uh, at the end of chapter 10... We see the people of Israel leave Sinai for Kadesh Barnea, which was an oasis just south of Canaan. So on the southern border of Canaan, Canaan being modern day Israel, give or take. Um, this one's kind of interesting because again, it's one of those things where when you're just kind of reading through, you're not thinking about time structure, particularly in numbers, because as we're going to see, it starts to jump a lot ahead of time, but we'll, we'll get there in a little bit. Uh, but they had been at Sinai for a year. So they leave Egypt, or I guess almost a year. Passover is when they leave Egypt. They pretty much head straight to Sinai, and then that's where they had been camped out. So that whole, all the things that have happened essentially from that moment to here have been at the same camp. And now God is having them move to Kadesh Barnea. So I don't know, yay, yay, Kadesh! You get to house the Israelites for a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. <laughs> um, well. From chapters 11 to 25, this is where we really start to get into what we can call the failures of that first generation of Israelites or the the first generation to leave Egypt, I should say, because obviously there were plenty of generations in Egypt beforehand. Um, Remember, as you're reading that only Joshua and Caleb are allowed to enter the promised land from that generation. And so... and. I I feel like the tone is set pretty early. So in chapter 11, this is like the first chapter under that section that you could say where they start to list the failures. And in verse, verse, uh, verse one, it goes through and it says this. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes, and when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Taberah, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble was... No, sorry, now the rabble that was among them had to had a strong craving and the people of Israel also wept again and said, "Oh that we had meat to eat." Oh man, this <laughs> this magical I'm bread, hungry. this is this isn't what I want. Uh and as we sorry, it says, "We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt, costing costing nothing." <laughs> Moses, do you remember Oh man. Remember how good it was when we ate for free? Like it's kind of like someone like complaining about paying for food now that they're out of prison and just be like, remember when, remember prison food? Like, wasn't that great? It's just a little, I don't know. That's a good way to put it, actually. Come on, guys. I, yeah uh, But it's not just the fish, listeners. No, don't forget. It's also, don't forget the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions. Oh, and the garlic. Yeah, you lost me. Moses, don't, I love garlic, but it's a little bit, uh come on, guys. Uh, but now our strength is dried up. I don't know why. That That was was weird. That was weird. (laughs) And now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all, but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed and it's appearance like that of bedellum. I honestly don't know what any of those, either of those things mean. I guess I could have looked it up, but sorry. Uh, The people went about and gathered it and uh, gathered it, and ground it in handmills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes out of it. And the taste was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp that night, the manna fell with it. So pretty cool. Uh, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans. Everyone at the door of his tent and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. Honestly, can't blame him. And Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Um, I also just love like Moses is complaining about just the job that God called him to do. And he's like, why do you like, God, why do you hate me? Why is this my job right now to deal with these people? Uh, Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries the nursing child into the land that you swore to give to their fathers. And where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight that I might not see my wretchedness. All right. So... Feels a little dramatic. And everything going on. Moses is a dramatic guy. Yes, but so
1: are the people of Israel.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean seriously, it's like it's a oh my god. It's incredible to think that like where they're in this situation where the Lord has delivered. Like Yahweh, the creator of the world, has delivered them. He split the Red Sea. Ten Commandments things. They don't learn, apparently, from the whole worshiping the golden calf. Is. Yeah. And like they had to drink that or eat it. I think it was drink, right? He grounds the it up. ground it in gold dust and makes them drink it. Oh, yet. my gosh. And they're still complaining. And every morning they wake up and there's bread that's just on the ground. Bread that fell from heaven. I guess not bread. They have to make it it's into seed, bread. Yes. Seed, yeah. But, but still, come on. You're provided for. For free. You're not paying for it. These clowns, they want... But they, you know what they want? They long for the fish and the melons and the garlic and the onions and, and the, the leeks oh, and man. cucumbers. I have never once in my life longed for a cucumber, pickled nope. or unpickled, nope. but ugh. Agreed. Gross. All right. Well, anyway, that sets the tone. <laughs> they're they're, they're <laughs> just, the people of Israel are kind of the worst. It is what it is. This generation particularly is just, they see, you could argue they see the coolest miracles of any generation of Israelites pre, pre-Christ. pre Um And yeah, they're just the most, uh, they're the most like, they don't care anymore, whatever. All right. So after this, uh, the elders are appointed to help shoulder the burden of leading the people, which is a good lesson for us today, but also just kind of shows that Moses is like, I'm so sick of dealing with this. And so he appoints (laughs) other people, um, he appoints other people to deal with it. So good times. Uh, And then here's the deal there is some quail. That's nice. So the Lord's like, you know what? Fine. You want meat, you get some poultry. Here you go. There's a whole wind that blows in. A bunch it, of quail. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Apparently, I've, I was looking at it's a migratory pattern that happens. And it can't happen that the wind blows them off course. So, there you go. Interesting. But they harvest it really fast. They're greedy. They're being little piggies about it. And so, uh, they're punished with a whole plague. So, there you go. Dude, honestly, I just,
1: I'm just dying right now because I just see this. Uh, I see almost this, this Moses-esque, like... I'm just sick of these people. This is ridiculous. Why? And like, it just—it's just so funny me watching you like just get up in arms about it. But at the <sighs> end, at the end of the day, here's what here's what's true though is that it's it's you and I today. Not just you and I, but you and I who's listening. We all collectively have and complain and will look back to things much like God's people did early on. And so there's a lot of correlation that can exist in us today and how we respond to situations or how we respond to God moving us or changing locations or stirring in our hearts to go do something and we it doesn't play out the way we quote unquote think it is. I mean that's that's the heart of it, right? That's the reality of this situation is that is God's people were delivered, they were thankful, but then it's like, well this is hard. This sucks. <laughs> freedom kind of isn't, isn't easy. So, I mean, I remember talking to my dad when he had back surgery, major back surgery. Um, and he, and he just, I mean, he lost two inches in his height because he had in essence crushed vertebrae, uh, from so many years of, of walking around with a deteriorated back. Um, he had surgery from the stomach. He had surgery from his back, same surgery, two different, two different places that they worked on him. Um, and he told me afterwards, if I would have known the recovery time and how hard and difficult this is, he's like, I probably would not have done the surgery. Now you ask him now, He's thankful for the surgery. I mean, he got in a, this was a while ago, he got rear-ended and, and my mom called me, let me know. And the first thing I asked her, like, how is his back? She's like, oh, his back is fine. Huh? He's got whiplash, but his back is fine. And, and so in, in hindsight, he's thankful he did the surgery, but the recovery afterwards, he was not thankful for. He's like, I would not do this. Sur- I would have endured more years of pain and discomfort and problems because I learned how to manage that and deal with that and cope with that that I, I could have cared less for a better life. And so I, I think all of that to say- our, No, our human, a really good analogy. Our human tendency is, God, I want your freedom. God, I want your provision. God, I want you to move and work and provide for me. But wait a minute, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah. And and so like I can totally see. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate now, right? Because uh, <laughs> I'm watching you. It's just funny to me. You're throwing all this shade at the Israelites for with due reason. They should. They were totally ridiculous. But our human tendency is that. So, anyways, it's just interesting. There's a lot of correlation that we could take looking into God's people, uh, just based upon our own life. Now we may not be getting. We may not see the Red Sea parted. We may not see manna from heaven. We may not see uh, quail being remigrated so we can eat them. Um, thankfully, cause I'm not sure I even want to equal, but all that to say, I think it's interesting to, to always stop and understand the, the, the history that's played out is human history too. Yeah. And our tendency is we're all sinful. We're all broken. We're all separated
0: and we're all selfish. So, you know, I've always wanted to try. You're welcome. Is a uh, Cornish game hen. You ever see that in the store? I haven't record? seen it in the store, but I've watched it on like shows that use it. I feel like because every time like you'll go like, it's like the turkeys. And then there's like these little, it's like a little baby turkey. Little turkeys. baby turkey. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't taste like turkey, but. What you
1: know. got to do, you got to take a real turkey on Thanksgiving and put a corn, Cornish game hen inside the turkey. So a
0: when you game, actually
1: cut it open, it looks like it was pregnant.
0: A game hen inside of a chicken, inside of a duck, inside <laughs> of a turkey. A turduck, turduck, turduckatin. Happy Thanksgiving. So anyways, back to numbers. But anyways, all that to say, yes. Sorry, listeners. Our human tendency. Speaking of human tendencies, uh, we get this really painful situation recounted in chapter 12, where Moses's own siblings actually try and stage a coup against him. Um, it's not great. Uh, so they challenge his authority over the people and they use his marriage to a Kushite woman as a pretense. Um, this is kind of interesting because one thing that is really weird about Moses's life is we hear a ton about Moses the man throughout Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We hear very little about his family, and That's so we know—very true, yeah. So we know that he has a wife named Zipporah, who is from Midian, and we have no idea if this Cushite woman is that her um, or is it another wife that he took at a different time. I tend to land in the camp that it's a second wife uh, that that Moses picked up at some point along the way that we are never told anything about. So I don't know, kind of weird. Uh, Kush is described as in modern day Ethiopia, give or take, which is also interesting because the, a lot of, um, there's actually like Ethiopian Jews and they have a lot of the long history going back and forth. So kind of a, a whole interesting historical thing that happens there, but all that to be said, um, it's yeah, it's kind of it's a it's a whole bummer cuz there's kind of this xenophobic element to it because Aaron and Miriam, Moses's brother and sister, come forward and they're basically like, "Listen, he's married to a Cushite woman and the whole inference there is like she's not one of us, she's not one of the people of Israel." So that's that's a whole that's a whole another bummer there. Um and so they try to essentially take authority instead of Moses over the people of Israel. Um, and they would be rebuked by, like with in no small terms. Yahweh is not happy with this at yeah. all. Um, and at the end of his rebuke, uh, Miriam is she, – she basically rolls up a sleeve, her sleeve and she sees that she has leprosy. Um, and here's the deal. Leper, I think it's one of those diseases that because we don't deal with it today, hardly ever, we don't think about it. Leprosy is terrifying. Yeah. It's essentially a skin disease that slowly eats away at you and it's a death sentence. It's also contagious. And so therefore, like you would be completely ostracized from everyone around you. There's That's why you've heard of, um, there's leper colonies. I think there are, there might still be a few, but it's obviously yeah. gotten, it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, much but, less. Um, but yeah, there's whole areas of nations that were set aside as when you when they would send lepers there. And that's where, not leopards, but lepers. And that's where they would go. So, that's where they'd live for the rest of their life yep terrifying situation for her um and eventually Moses asked for forgiveness Aaron asked for forgiveness Moses asked for forgiveness for Miriam I should say on on Miriam's behalf and so she is told that she can have leprosy for seven days so she needs to leave the camp but then after seven days ill the leprosy will leave her and she can come back and rejoin the people so and you know what I will say that seems to have done the trick because <laughs> Miriam and Aaron don't uh they don't try to usurp Moses again. Not anymore. They learned their lesson. All right. Well, in chapter 13, we get this story. Uh, Moses picks 12 men, one from each tribe. And he's like, hey, listen, we're on the borders of Canaan, the promised land, the land that God has promised to us. This is going to be incredible. I need you guys to go spy it out. We're going to figure out how we're going to conquer this bad boy. And so among them are Hosea who is from the tribe of Ephraim? And Moses calls him Joshua. And if you're thinking to yourself, yes, it's that, it's that Joshua. But we'll get there eventually, <laughs> listeners. Patient, patience. And Caleb of the tribe of Judah, who is one of the more underrated Bible characters, because I think that I think Caleb's awesome, but we don't talk about him too often. But I am glad that his name made it into modern parlance, though. So you meet a lot of Caleb's at least, which I feel like <coughs> is a nice tribute to the man. Uh, so their mission lasted 40 days. They go into the land of Canaan. They're there for 40 days. They come back, and then. This happens at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land, which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. I like to imagine there, they just held up like, look look at this fruit. Yep. Uh, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are able to overcome it. Caleb is, Caleb's the man. Uh, Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So Caleb stands up in front and he's like, no guys, we can do this. And the other guy's like, no, no. Caleb, shut up. Caleb, we can't fight. We can't fight these guys. What you think we have the almighty creator of the universe on our side? So they brought the people of Israel a bad <laughs> report and that uh, sorry they brought, so they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying this land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height reminds me of like people say Australia, everything's trying to kill you. That's kind of like the, they're like, listen guys, it's giants and everything there is trying to kill you. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them a little bit of uh, exaggeration there, but you know, all righty. So yeah, that's what happens. They go, they come back, Joshua and Caleb, we're we're told later that Joshua was part of this as well, but Caleb's the one taking the, taking the forefront. Caleb's like, guys, we can do this. It's going to be awesome. We've got God on our side. Everyone else is being a bunch of whiny babies about it. And so then they, uh, they decide, you know what, they don't want to go. The people of Israel, they listen to the 10 other spies and they declare that they cannot take hold of the promised land. Um, one of the books I was reading, I believe that this actually might have been the ESV Study Bible, but it called this the second great apostasy of the people of Israel. The first mm. being the Golden Calf incident, and this one's kind of the one that—not kind of. This is the one that puts it over the edge for God. He's like, you know what? Well, sorry. We'll we'll see what how God reacts. What you need to know is that uh, they've once again rejected God, and He is not—he's not happy about it. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they, which I, side note really quick, um, this does kind of go to show that the... I don't know what you wanna call it. The racial exceptionalism felt by the Israelites is really silly because again, remember a few chapters ago, they're getting on Moses because his wives are for, his wives are foreigners or at least his wife is a foreigner. Um, and here God is saying, you know what, you and those ladies, I'm gonna make a nation out of you. We're gonna redo Abraham. That whole thing was a joke. You're in his line. So at least I'm not breaking my promise there. And I'll, ma- I'll make of you a mighty people. That is literally the offer that God is making to Moses right now. He's saying, I'm gonna send in a plague We're going to kill the rest of them. And me and you, bud, we're going to start this thing over. Yep. Best buds forever. Oh, man. Uh, But Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face and your cloud stands over them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you killed this people as one man, the nations who have heard of your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them, that he has killed them and left them in the wilderness. And now please let the power of the Lord be as great as you have promised, saying the Lord is slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Please pardon the iniquities of the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. So we're going to pause there for a second, but we'll get we'll get back to this passage. I love the argument that Moses makes here. Hey, Moses, is he the only character who argues with God like that? I guess not. I don't know. Or seems to change God's mind. Uh, it could be. I guess it's Isaiah. It's close, but I mean, what it would be?
1: What is it? Abraham did it with Lot. That's
0: true. Or right? yeah, so that's he, true. Was that right? It
1: does it for his nephew Lot. He well, what if there's what if there's fifty righteous or whatever? So he right. he negotiates with God a bit.
0: Um, and Isaiah is the one where it's like cook with human feces it's like, what about cow? And then God was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's my favorite argument yeah. in, in scripture probably. Um, but here's, I guess, so here's my, here's my point I'm trying to make though. The tact that Moses takes in this argument is completely about what? It's completely about God's glory there's and so it's not moses saying hey these people deserve it or this would be really like this would be really mean like don't do this it's literally about god like if you if you do this the people of the nations will see that you took this nation out of egypt and then you just killed them all mm-hmm. and so it's 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 actually i th- i think it's a really it's a really important indicator of where Moses' mind is at that he cares first and foremost really it seems about the glory of god in this situation so to finish it up it says this then the Lord said, "I have pardoned according to your word, but as truly as I live, which is true, uh, and as the earth, as all, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and, and have not obeyed my voice, shall she, shall oh my goodness shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers." And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit who has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which in, into the land in which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Now since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys and turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. So in this passage we see again Caleb, kind of the man, I feel like yeah, you know, he, if he had a book of the Bible named after him, then he'd really be able to, he'd really be able to <laughs> cash in. So God makes an, expe- an exception for Caleb there; he will make one later for Joshua, and then he tells Moses, "Pack up, you're leaving." So again, they leave this camp that they've been. I think it, I think they were in Kadesh for about a year as well, if I if I remember correctly. When that sounds about at right, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, you know what? No, you're done. You get to wander for forty years, and that's what the Israelites do. And he literally says. Anyone who has seen my miracles and yet has put me to the test like this, they don't get to go. So, and it's, yeah, it's really weird. At this moment, we see numbers switch from a from a view that's, again, because the whole book of numbers up to this point has been a couple of years. Now we're going to jump forward 40 years is what the rest of up until chapter 25 kind of follows. And it's this idea of instead of instead of it being a story of... God's people waiting to take possession of their land, it now becomes a story of God's people waiting for the older generation to mm-hmm. die. They're wandering aimlessly, waiting for the last of that generation to die off so that they can go in and take command of the, or take control of the land that God has given them. So yeah, bummer. I mean, I guess to wrap it yeah, up, it's, yeah. <laughs> to wrap it up, what's happening, Israel is attacked by the Amalekites and they're driven from the camp at Kadesh. So that happens and then in chapter 15 we're giving uh we're given a list of the laws that were given to israel at kadesh and then we kind of we move forward from there that's pretty much it yeah what it's 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 interesting how
1: sometimes the writers will take it from a a very close proximity to then shifting immediately to that thirty thousand foot level which i think is a big deal um but yeah, definitely, it definitely, you see different, you see different moments and you see kind of this journey and this so yearning and, and even the response of God's people when he calls them out and says, okay, now are you going to wander that? Go, like, oh, no, let's go. Let's go do what you've asked us to. And um, it's, I mean, if anything with kids, I'm like, cause I, I've learned a lot and I'm trying to, to relate a lot of what I'm learning, but the moment, you know, my kid faces a punishment and then a pun, punishment has been executed. That's when he he or she wants to do what I've asked them to do. And it's like, no, you already, you've already missed your chance. It's time to, you've got to learn. It's, this is called discipline. So yep.
0: it's really challenging. So to kind of, I guess to kind of wrap up a little bit of what's, cause we're going to meet, we're going to meet a guy named Balaam next week. And that's he's Again, another, the, another rad story. in yep, my opinion. He's a, he's another guy that we're not going to get the full story in, but uh, one of the last major events that happens in this reading that we're doing this week is uh chorus rebellion, which I mean, talk about, mm. talk about the failures of, uh, of the Israelites, this is the one where, uh, and again, like I don't know, this is kind of silly, I suppose, but like the ground opens up and swallows them. Yep, and then closes back up again.
1: I just I just read this in my my reading First or Second Corinthians, and it refers back to it. And I actually had never picked up on or remember reading that the I just thought it was a big old sinkhole, and it's like whoops, see you later. But no, the, the, it closes back up. Right. That's that's the thing that I always forget about. Uh, so I was reminded of that even again today before. I guess when I was reading my Bible this morning. Yeah. So
0: well, I guess I always, I always want to be careful because I, I normally don't like to rag on the Israelites this much because I, I think it's a little. You're bit, just in a peculiar kind of mood. Today. It's true. I he's mean, a, he's a little wiry God, today. No, dude, look, the baseball lockout ended. The Mariners are probably going to sign a bunch of people. You know, and just, the Hawks are still gone. I'm just yourself. excited. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a real up and down week for <laughs> Seattle sports fans. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I normally try not to rag on the people of Israel because I do think it's really important to not have a kind of. Chronological snobbery, I think is what C.S. Lewis called it. But this idea of looking down on people in the past and thinking that we would be better. No, we would, we would probably also be um a bunch of complainers. And even today in our lives, we look at the, what God does for us and we still are not um we don't trust in him. Yeah. So it, but it, it is, it's so crazy to me to watch the Red Sea open up and then close again and swallow the Egyptians, and then watch the ground <laughs> open up and swallow cora and the other re- and rebels his followers. And yeah. yeah and close back up again like like nothing like, happened like how do you like how do you doubt <laughs> After yeah. that, like how like how who who among the camp is like yeah but i mean i don't know how are we ever going to Yeah that was Cayman? coincidental Dude, craziness. But yeah, so the rest of it, we're going to get some duties of the priests and Levites in Numbers 18, which is always a good time. Uh, some laws of purification in Numbers 19. And then we see the death of Miriam in chapter 20, um, which, so she she lived a decent chunk after yeah. the whole leprosy thing. Yeah. So that was nice. Uh, but it says, and this is in verse one, and the people of Israel, the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month and the people stayed in Kadesh and Miriam died there and was buried there. So that's what we get. Finally, we'll, the last thing they we'll read today, I think I guess we start Balaam in chapter 22, but we'll save it for next week because yeah. Balaam's a good story. Uh, but finally, we get the, the story of the bronze serpent where another plague uh, breaks out. And so God instructs Moses to have a bronze statue made or bronze, was it a statue? I don't know what you'd call it. Uh,
1: yeah, you can call it a statue, I guess, but in essence, the bronze serpent um, that everyone has to look on. Right. But, Which, and again, the plague comes because of their rebellion. Yes. Correct. Well, yes. It's, so does everything. Yeah. So, so I, I say that. And it, part of me is like, I say that in light of, I don't know, the, the last couple of years we have when we hear plague or whatever, I think our minds culturally right now go to COVID-19. Um, but this, the, the plague that happens in, the, in, in this portion is because of the rebellion. And again, everything that we're seeing punishment wise is because of rebellion. So
0: yeah. If, if you've ever gone to a hospital and you've wondered why is there a snake on the emblem? the story is why this is why because it's a healing it's they look upon it and they're healed. So it's pretty remarkable because
1: even in that statement, like even in that conversation, like the whole snake vibe is, is in some, in some respects redeemed a bit um, because a serpent in the old Testament was as viewed as like the, you know, evil and representative of the devil and things like that. Satan himself. But anyways,
0: yeah, not all snakes are evil. Just the, just that first, just the Satan one, just that, just that Satan snake. Oh man. Uh, But yeah, it it is also like, this This actually is the final wrap-up thing we'll talk about in numbers. But I do think, man, boy, God is so patient with the Israelites. Like, I I don't know. Like, if I was God and who knows, but I feel like I would just, I feel like I would- Be careful with what comes out of your mouth next. I feel like if I was in God's position, I would have just wiped him out after the golden calf thing. Like, this is ridiculous. And- I mean, he puts up with it for centuries. <laughs> like we don't, we don't... still putting up with it. Well, true, but he doesn't let he doesn't let Jerusalem fall for like hundreds of years, and they just keep doing it. So, it's a. Um, I know we're kind of joking about it and making light of it a, of it a little bit, I suppose. But it is important to recognize just how much the Book of Numbers is a testament to God's mm-hmm. mercy. And yeah. the mercy that he still shows to us every day. Yeah. So there you go. Well, and I think you also
1: see, I mean, just in that same th- vein of thought, I also think you see, you know, the tension of his intentionality to, to let this thing play out so he can fulfill his plan and his purpose throughout history and for right. humanity. Because um, he could have done it you're right. He could have done it in a blink of an eye. It could have been done. And, and figure it out and finished. Um, but there was a reason and we don't, I don't think we'll know the reason entirely until we stand before him in eternity, but there was a reason he rolled it out strategically the way he did mm-hmm. and let it play
0: out. Um, but he is very, he's, he's very patient. Yes, absolutely. It is. Yeah, boy, it is what it is. Well, before, before we jump into Proverbs this week, I did want to take a second to remind you all to, Hey, you know, leave us a five-star review. If you're able to, it helps grow the community. It would, yeah, yeah it's swell. It would be swell would of you to do so.
1: <laughs> no, we just appreciate it and and love hearing the stories about it. Um, but also at the same time, it does that algorithm. I mean, it's I feel repetitive every time I say that, but uh, we just want to continue growing the community because uh, let's let fun to read the Bible and discuss it together. So yep.
0: I also did want to thank uh, a listener, and I'm, I might be butchering this name, so apologies in advance. But Nuria Navarade. Navarati something like that. Uh, but she listens on the Google play store, which we just found out doesn't let us, doesn't let her give reviews, but she emailed in some really kind words. So thank you so much for those. That really meant a lot to us. All right. Proverbs, let's do this. So
1: Proverbs, here's the thing with Proverbs. And I think we said this, uh, last week or when we first jumped into it, it's not going to read like a normal book of the Bible. It's not going to read. It's not like we can sit here and let me introduce the book. And let me tell you about here. Here's these sections. Um, Proverbs is going to, the majority of it is going to read like quick hits. Um, uh, like phrases or or even thematic groupings. Um, so you're gonna find that uh, as you read Proverbs this week, there's gonna be two tendencies if I'm gonna be honest with you. One is to read through it quickly. Uh, just to get it done, because you look at it like a fortune cookie, uh, which I had one today after lunch. It was awesome. Um, but or you're gonna or you're gonna really slow down and and really try to understand and read through them um, and and let the Holy Spirit kind of stir your heart and challenge you um, as you're reading through them. And so um, what we want to do in this section is we're reading through the Book of Proverbs over this week and even next week um, is just take a few moments and highlight a few of them um, and uh, maybe add a couple thoughts or commentary to it, but. Um, these are, these are, Evan's going to love this. This is from the... English standard version for you. Um, Way to go. But, so I'm just going to read a few of these. Uh, I think I've got a total of six of them from chapters 13 and 19. These are the the chapters we're reading. So uh, apparently I just left out one from chapter 15. So apparently chapter 15 didn't speak to me. So, um, but here's a few of them. uh, I thought were really worth taking literally probably 30 seconds and hitting. uh, First one is chapter 13, verse three. Uh, It says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life and whoever opens his, wide his lips comes to ruins. Hmm. I think that's really important. It's a and, real,
0: real convicting and one. Really,
1: and very good to read, especially for us in light of what we've seen, but also this is this is timeless. This is a really valuable piece to remember. Guard your mouth, preserve your life. Uh, if you open it wide, you come to ruin. So uh, chapter 14, verse 15, here's one that I like that stood out to me, the simple believe everything, uh, but the prudent give thought to his steps. Ooh. Um, and I think, again, it's really easy to take someone's word for it because it's easier. Um, but the, really the, the intention and the need as a, as a, someone who pursues wisdom. Cause I remember that's the theme of the book. The whole idea is, Mm -hmm. is the pursuit of wisdom, understanding wisdom and living wisely. Um, and so it is, this is, do I just believe everything I read or do I believe everything I hear even from, even from us on this podcast, even from pastors on the stage, um, am I believing everything I'm hearing or am I? thoughtfully giving weight to the steps I take based upon what I'm hearing,
0: I think is really important. Which church is it that Paul commends for testing everything? Do you have, is oh, it that's Ephesus? a good question. I don't remember. All right. There's a there's a church that is specifically commended because they, they test everything that they hear. They're searching the scriptures yeah. and they're trying to back it up. And it's it's shown as a thing to say like, yeah. hey, this is a good thing to do. Yeah. So there you go. Uh,
1: so another one, chapter 16, verse 31. I say this because um, it's interesting to me. And I, I've always heard this and I've got a ton of this in my beard right now uh, and on the sides of my head. But gray hair is a crown of glory. It mm. is gained in righteous life. Um, and I just thought it was interesting because in, in ancient times, your appearance was really, really valuable, but gray hair was a very big sign of wisdom. Um, And so there's something to be said about longevity in life and even life expectancy. It wasn't as long, uh, the life expectancy then was not as long as it is now. And so gray hair is a crown of glory. I think it's a big deal. Um, Chapter 17, verse 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Um, Our tendency as humans is to isolate and to only surround ourselves with certain people. But I really think it's valuable to remember uh, I mean, Ecclesiastes comes to mind as well, where a three-quartered strain is not easily broken. Two are better than one. Uh, but I just love that, that if that's a proverb, that will stand for all time, obviously, because it's in Scripture. But it also carries a lot of truth with the idea of friendship and
0: brotherhood. So it reminds me I'm reading through um, right now. There's a, It's a book called Poetic Diction by Owen Barfield. Um, but basically like, I really like C.S. Lewis and you would read a book named poetic diction. (laughs) It's, 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 it's interesting. This is why he's the smart one, everyone. And I'm the, I'm the commentator. That's not true. Um, but I, I really like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. And so I was thinking to myself, like, you know, they have this group of writers called the Inklings where they all kind of met and they bounced their ideas off of one another and they read each each other's work. So I was like, I should read other people in that group because I've only read the two. So I started on Barfield and the dedication opens to, um, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it in front of me, but it's. Uh, to C.S. Lewis, and I believe it says adversity is the true friendship. <laughs> and, and they they often <laughs> describe awesome. they often described each other as um, they called it being second friends, but it's that friend where you disagree about everything, but you love being able to talk about it. And so I think that's what that's what it made me think for when it says a brother is born for adversity. Yeah. It's kind of a way where you can you can have that healthy adversity, that healthy, um, tension in the relationship, I suppose yeah. you could call it, but also be incredibly close friends as well.
1: Yeah. And I think through that relational relationship dynamic, you find even, you know, even the, adver- the other side of adversity, which is like circumstantial uh, things going on that are very difficult to, to face. Uh, brotherhood is really great to have someone in your corner with you. Uh, but yeah, that's a good point too. Like the tension that exists in a relationship uh, where you have that trust to be able to nail and, and and push back is how it's our circles, what we call is the pushback. So, um, Two more here, chapter 18, verses two in Proverbs says this, and this is a really, really, I think, this was a convicting one, um, and I think really one that, well, that everyone needs to hear um, and and heed. Uh, so it says this, verse two, chapter 18, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Uh, and, and that's one that it's almost like you don't have to say much about it, you just let it breathe for a moment. Uh, but it is true, there is a lot of truth where I've even, as I'm in arguments or I'm in discussions, I don't care what anybody else is saying. I just have a thought and I want to say it. Uh, that's that's a foolish undertaking, um, but it's it's the reality that exists in all of us where we don't care about an understanding. At times, we just want to express our opinion, right? Uh, and that's again, that's a picture of the tumultuous world um, that not just we live in, but that has existed over over history and time.
0: Well, it makes me think of. Uh, I mean, I have, I'm sure it's convicting, but I have a ton of conversations where someone brings something up and instead, and I don't really know what they're talking about, but my default, instead of saying like, oh, tell me more, like, I would like to understand. I want to look like I know what it is. Like, you know what I mean? I want to look like, oh, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I know what you're talking about. And so like it, how many times have I robbed myself of being able to learn because of my pride in that situation? Yep. So true and I'm right there with you uh and then finally uh, I thought it'd be good to end on,
1: on a different one it says this uh verse chapter 19 verse 11 good sense makes one slow to anger and it is is it is his glory to overlook an offense um really it was the first part that I liked is good sense makes one slow to anger um I think that's really really good I think it's really really true it's I find at times that I get angry oftentimes not the the moments that i'm I'm thinking thoroughly or i'm I'm evaluating a situation entirely but i'm viewing it through a very inconvenient selfish driven reality and so i get annoyed and angry because i'm inconvenienced or because it's against me but if i were to stop and assess the situation i could actually develop and understand okay there's much more to the conversation than this right which would then lead it slow it creates a slowness
0: to become angry because of the situation which i think is really good there's a uh, andrew Claven, i think is the one he's a christian author but he was talking about this idea of um the great, oh shoot, I forgot what it was. The great assumption. Hmm. But it's, it's essentially this idea that one of the leaps of faith that we take <coughs> as humans is believing that other people's inner lives are just as important to them as they are to us. Um, so another way of putting it would be, it's to believe that... And it's, this sounds weird to say, because it's one of those things like, obviously we academically understand, but how many times do we actually take the time to look at someone else and say, no, they have a life that they live, that yeah. they live. They have dreams, they have hopes, they have um, challenges, they have struggles. But a lot of times we only think that way about ourselves and we think of everyone else in terms of how they relate to us, not that they themselves are also living yeah. a life in which they have all these different things going on as well. And so I think for me, that's it's what's helped me to be a little bit slower to anger as well. Because when, um, when you think of people that way, you're much more quick to be able to give grace when mm-hmm. they wrong you than if you just think of everyone. It, it, it's, it's like, as if you think of everyone as being side characters in your story. Yeah. Instead of realizing that everyone has their own story that they're living out.
1: Yeah. And I love, and I, I think that that second part goes hand in hand with that. Like it's good sense, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. And that's part of it. When we were able to remove the assumption, uh, even the, the motive that you're trying to offend me you're trying to hurt me. You're doing what you're doing. It's a very self-centered way of viewing it. Mm-hmm. But to be able to stop and pull back and realize like, man, you've got issues that you're going with that I have known nothing about. You've got circumstances I could know nothing about. And and to be able to, to stop for a moment, that's good sense. That's good sense to stop and evaluate and assess that there's much more to the conversation that's happening right now than just how I perceive it or how I'm being reaffirmed of it. Um, and it's to overlook an offense is not the world we live in. No one, like I, I should be justified to be annoyed or frustrated or offended because right. of what you've done. And on one hand, yeah, there may be truth to that, but I mean, I was even just reading again, second Corinthians, the whole idea of forgiveness. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul, and, and I didn't realize this until I was starting to read it, but Paul was, was land by the Corinthian church. He had people like, questioning his authority, questioning his ability, like, like he's selfish and he's, he's doing things. This is hip. He's, he's heretical. He's, he's not preaching the gospel. And, and he had to reestablish his entire authority. And he was offended. Like there was a point where, and again, I didn't know this until I re- I was reading, studying some more about it, but he left mm-hmm. and he he left them after, after being with them to confront them because I mean, pastor Nick says it this way, like the new Testament letters are all about cleaning up messes in in the new Testament church. Um, so Paul's a de- assessing a very dysfunctional broken church in Corinthians, which we'll get to when we read first and second Corinthians Getting drunk on that communion, but, um, which that in and of itself is an interesting <laughs> dynamic too, because it's not just that anyways. Um, but it, it shows this dynamic of Paul was hurt. Paul was offended. Paul was like brutally, um, slandered and he left hurt and dejected, but in his letter he writes back forgiveness. He's writes back because I've been forgiven. I forgive. And he almost makes light of his forgiveness. He almost says if it's not that big of a deal. Um, when he says that, Hey, as I forgive him, which I didn't really have much to forgive of anyways, really, he, he left them alone. He went there, he left to reassess and kind of to lick his wounds and then wrote back. Um, and so it is this tension of like, it's his, it's to his glory to overlook an offense. You and I have rights every day to be offended, but the gospel because of Christ's forgiveness of us and our offense to him, we are therefore led and should follow suit because we are forgiven. We should therefore forgive. And so that's, that's some of this Proverbs tension of good sense makes one slow to anger. And it's, and it's the glory of, of the one to overlook an offense. Mm -hmm. It it goes hand in hand. It's this tension that I think we all have to live in and understand at the end of the day, there's circumstances, there's situations, there's thoughts and realities that I don't fully understand And and because of Christ's love, His grace, His forgiveness, I'm going to overlook the offense that I could take on. And I I mean, let's play this in our marriages. (laughs) How many times do I take offense from my wife because I'm interpreting something and assuming something rather than stopping, stepping back, and trying to make sense of it? So, anyways, just a great, I mean, great proverb. These these sort of things are going to hit and and hit us in different ways. So those are the ones I wanted to highlight today because they were challenging to me, but I
0: also thought worth taking time to. I think that's the beautiful thing about Proverbs is you could get a group of 10 people and have them, like, hey, read these chapters, pick out one in each chapter that picks that stands out to you, and they'll all pick different ones, yeah. like Proverbs is. It's a it's a really incredible book that yeah. way of yep. being able to read it. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. As a reminder, we are a podcast of The Grove Church, but we're not the only resource of The Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources on our website, grove.church. And if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to consider financially supporting the ministry that the Grove Church does you can also give online on our website there's a give button in the upper right hand corner but hey thank you all for listening